0: The information expressed in the following podcast is intended for educational purposes only and was created by and belongs solely to Believe Limited and the Flow podcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of our sponsors. Please speak to your healthcare provider before making any medical
1: decisions. Hi, I'm Jessica and welcome to Flow. I am here with Sarah Watson, sex therapist. And we have been gifted with some stories to share from a variety of voices today. Welcome to the Menstrual Awareness Society, where the most important question to get us going is How are you flowing? Welcome once again to Flow. Excited to talk about and hear from our voices today, but quick check in, Sarah, as we do, how is your flow? Yes.
2: Uh, I am through. Okay, so last time we recorded, which was not too long ago, I was ovulating that day, and that took a turn. It took mm. a turn. It's just kept hurting, and it lasted. Pain turn. Oh, pain turn like crampy. Yuck. So, but it's it's gone. It's done. I'm feeling like energized and. Lots of ideas are flowing, and so that's really nice because I love so how that little long? hit of like, ooh, how long will it last?
1: How long think? was the pain? Oh,
2: probably like, at, I want to say at least a week if not longer because it happens a little bit before, I know, a little bit before where I get all ragey mm. and then ovulation and then the pain continued, which it doesn't happen every month, mm. but it was not great. So I was a little, little mad.
1: Not every month. I think we talked about this before on the show. But is it every other month? Mm-hmm. Like you think it's one ovary that has more pain related? No, but it's just random. Seems
2: to be random. I mean, I should mm-hmm. probably like document a little bit more. I mean, I can definitely feel where what ovary I'm ovulating from. Usually feel my right one. I think this was the left side, and the symptoms were different this time. Mm. So definitely going to bring that up at my next appointment uh, with my gynecologist and say, hey, what the hell? Like, what are we doing? What are we going to do about this? Because this is not normal. And if you, she won't, t- I'm switching doctors. So she's not going to tell me it's normal. And uh, we're going to, we're going to do something about that.
1: I so. would adore to be like a tag along on your doctor's visit when you sit down with your head, <laughs> and you just go, listen, what the hell? What the
2: hell? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the woman who I saw throughout my pregnancy and before and a little bit after, and then we moved away and she moved further offices. And so I am going to go, I'm going to drive an hour to her office because I love her that much. Mm. But so we also have this very personal relationship. Obviously she's my physician, but she also gets sex therapy and she sends me clients and is like, Hey, you need to go talk to Sarah. So crazy. So crazy. How's your flow? What's going
1: on with you? Thank you so much for asking. Mm -hmm. I started – I have to do a little plug. I started going to TIA. It's a clinic program that has OBGYN and acupuncture for your (gasps) – if you have insurance, it can cover it. I know they're just opening up in some cities. They're definitely trying to establish a provider team response opportunity For those who are looking for OBGYNs who don't have one yet, they're saying we have a team of people available and hormonal specialists, not hematologists. So, not you have to go to, but they can recommend specialists and they're just a lovely, vibey hub. To like go to. I got an ultrasound for the first time to like look at the volume of my ovaries, which was fascinating. Ooh. And to immediately go online and like read about what's normal and be terrified and then talk to people and be like, yeah, don't read what it's online as normal.
2: No. No, and I know the internet we've discussed- is a scary place. Don't do it. <laughs> Dr. Google is not your friend.
1: Mm. Right? Right.
2: Maybe that's the boundary. I did the same thing when I was pregnant, because I had I had a I was a double high risk, mm. right? So when I was diagnosed with the placenta previa, which we've talked about, I think previously, and I was like, what the hell is that? Right. And then got on the internet and Dr. Google, then anxiety spiked real, real yeah. high. So maybe we don't do that. I mean, I'm trying not to do that with the ovary pain, right? Like ovulation pain.
1: Doctor H- Google did not take the Hippocratic Oath. Some of the information that Doctor Google <laughs> provides does a lot of harm.
2: <laughs> so much harm. But I, oh, yeah. I love that you got an ultrasound. Like that is, was it a traditional on the outside or on transvaginal. the inside? Oh, it was transvaginal. Transvag, I figured, but yeah. Well, how was that experience? Let's maybe tell what you want to tell our listeners what that is because I'm not sure everyone knows.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I don't think I have the clinical terms. So correct me if I'm wrong, people watching. But it's like a metal, you know, it's an insertion of the camera with a lot of lube Uh inside your vaginal canal to go up and look Mm -hmm. at what's going on and all the reproductive. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Because I didn't know that that was a thing
2: until I was pregnant.
3: Mm -hmm. For the
2: listeners, it's kind of like a very hard, um, not large dildo is what Mm -hmm. I would call that. It cold. is a cold lubricated well, which is good. Does not it's not painful unless you're having pain, but you're not. So that's good. But yeah, really fascinating. Yeah,
1: fascinating like I don't stuff. mind things I don't mind things going in. Me, I didn't find that to be too distressing, to be honest. Yes. yes. But it was also cool, they did so this is not a pregnancy on ultrasound, but they did right, right. let me hear the sound of my ovaries. Like they make a sound. What? Like what? I know. It was like a whooshing oceany, like no heart, like a whoosh, like a, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. and one was a little what? slow. A whoosh, whoosh. I know.
2: I really wish. Can we, can we? We need to record that sound.
1: Okay, I'll go back to tea. I'm gonna find it out. I'm gonna find. It was fascinating. It's like kind of like when you hear far away cosmic events. Yes. When they find recordings of that inner body. space. This is officially the longest intro we've ever done. We'll be right back after this quick break. This ad is brought to you by Von Vendi, Von Willebrand Factor, Recombinant.
4: Hi, my name is Nicole. I didn't always feel empowered to speak up for myself or ask for the care and support I needed. Becoming part of a community and hearing other people's experiences helped to change my perspective. That's why my deciding factor is making my voice heard. To hear my story and access other helpful resources, drop by VonBendi, that's V-O-N-B-E-N-D-I dot com slash patient dash stories.
1: All right, we are back. We are on a mission to normalize conversation around menstruation, and we have two wonderful contributors that we are going to reference. Three, three lovely contributors we're going to yes. reference today. You're going to hear some of their voices. Allison. February 7th, 1993. Dear Diary,
4: today I started bot mitzvah lessons after Sunday school.
1: Gabrielle. Yeah, I would
0: wake up in the middle of the night and be like in a pile of blood. (laughs) So (laughs) That's always a really fun thing to deal with at like two o'clock in the morning.
3: (laughs) And Peyton. What's happening in a public restroom when I'm going through that and like trying to go out to a bar and like look cute. I think that if someone saw like literally the volume of what's coming out, they would actually be really scared.
1: We're going to talk about what we heard and you're going to hear some of them as well. Um, At the very end, I also want to make sure we talk about a resource that a listener um, submitted to help keep your abortion private. So stay tuned for that. But let's get into it. I want to bring up Allison and her share because the only reason last month I knew when Emily was talking about the slap is because Mm -hmm. I had heard Allison's story and Mm -hmm. she described the puberty slap. Have you ever heard of such a thing,
2: Sarah? No, absolutely not. When I was in sixth grade, I went to school. I went to a private school. It wasn't religious, but the majority of the girls in my class were Jewish. And so I imagine that others were getting their, you know, their menses. And that happened, but they were for sure not talking about it. So,
1: I wonder, I mean, it almost seems like a cool secret or like, a, I don't know, yeah. is it like, a, like you're a secret handshake, you know? Yes. You get a slap. And you're like, but wild.
3: Here.
4: Yeah. I don't know. It's terrifying. Yeah. but Very interesting. I actually was one of the last of my friends to get their period. I didn't end up getting it until I was almost 14. Gotcha. It was oh, a lot so of wishing. the
1: beginning of the journey at 11. Yeah. So it was
4: I like see. the wishing and the hoping that it would come because I think it, made me feel like I would be grown up or something. I don't know, I'm not really sure why I wanted it. Um, I was one of the last of my friends to get it. And I didn't even need a training bra probably until like 10th grade.
1: So like the, the wanting it, knowing it also is an experience that comes with some pain and emotional tumult. What was the actual receiving it like?
4: Um, I mean, when I actually got my period, I, I think I was excited for like one day, cause I'm like, yay. It happened, and then when I realized what a pain in the butt it was, I was not so happy about it. And my mom, I remember we were on vacation and we were getting ready to go to a water park. And I told my mom and she slapped me across the face, not hard, but I think that's like a Jewish tradition or something Um, when a girl gets her period. (laughs) She did not do it hard, but she did hit me in the face. And five minutes later, my dad knew, obviously she told him and I was pretty embarrassed that she shared with him. Um, the news. But overall, I think I was excited. I felt grown up. But after the fact, realized that it wasn't something fun to have to deal with every
1: month. (laughs) And you mentioned sex ed. Do you recall what was taught? What was informed?
4: All I really remember was like, splitting the gender. So boys watched a video and the girls watched a video separately. And I think it was just like the basics of, you know, sex and what happens to you and that kind of thing. But I know that they didn't really teach us very well because I did not realize until I was trying to get my pre- get pregnant with my with my first child. So I was thirty four um, that you couldn't get pregnant like just any old day of the month. I had no idea, and I didn't know that until I started trying to have a baby um, and doing some research. And no idea, so I had no concept of ovulation and and, and all that. So. I mean, and, and that's as a 34 year old woman. So obviously whatever I learned in school and then from my mom was not enough to know like the real basics of how pregnancy works and when it can happen. And I just thought if you had sex, you could get pregnant. But that's not the case.
1: <laughs> and the fertility clinics around the world are like, that's right. It's not the case. <laughs> um, Do you think there's any messaging or like lack of messaging that you receive that you carry through now? Even you mentioned being 34 and just and discovering the role ovulation plays in the cycle. I mean, is there anything else like socially? Yeah,
4: I just wish that like people like explained things better to young girls and didn't try to like. Say it, you know, as say as little as possible to kind of get the point across, but then kind of brush it under the rug, kind of embarrassing, like the school system didn't teach correctly at all. Like what happens? Like, and I know I'm not the only one. I've talked to friends about this before and um, it's the same thing. They just thought like, you know, A and B go together and oh, there's a baby, but it's a lot harder than that. And I've talked to a lot of people about, you know, friends that have had struggles with like fertility and stuff. you only have like that short window each month to get pregnant. And when you're actively trying to get pregnant, it's, you know, it's it's hard when you're not getting what you want. Um, and I just wish that they explained that better in school. Um, I think we were in fifth grade when we had that conversation and we never really discussed it again. As far as I know, like I can't really remember. I have a vague memory of somebody showing us how to put a condom on a banana, <laughs> but I don't know if I dreamt that. <laughs> Or if that actually happened, um it was just a very brief. Like this is what happens, and this is what's happening to your body, and then let's move on and never talk about it again, which is not the right way to handle things.
1: <laughs> right, it's like abstinence only sex ed is not sex ed at all. Right, it's like yeah. Just don't talk or learn about it. Right. Did you remember how you learned how to use any menstrual products?
4: So I, I never used tampons. Like until I was 32, I think I tried for the first time and I like could not do it. My mom never showed me how to do it. My friends never, I had friends that had offered to show me how to do it, but I was very nervous about doing it. I just didn't like the idea of it. And then when I was like 31, 32, I finally sucked it up and I was able to do it, but I still just wasn't comfortable because um, going to the bathroom and having to change it at work was was not a two second thing. It wasn't like... I could just do it without, um, a whole, like a whole, I don't know the right word for it. It was a thing. Like it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy thing. So for me, like it just never worked well. And after I used them for like a few months, I went back to just using pads, um, basically for the rest of the time I had my period. And I am now 40 and I don't have my period anymore because I had a um, full hysterectomy last May when I was 39. So I don't have a period anymore and I don't have to worry about any of that ever again.
1: (laughs) And so is it, um, was that, if I may ask, was there any extreme symptoms that led to that?
4: so i have no i had um no i had a pretty normal cycle um i had a you know pretty you know normal flow it wasn't super heavy and um i didn't even get horrible cramps and stuff but i am BRCA 2 positive so i am high risk for breast and ovarian cancer and my mother's mother died when she was 52 of ovarian cancer so my doctors had said you know 10 years before your your closest relative was diagnosed the ovaries need to go so she was diagnosed when she was 50 so they told me when i was 40 they needed to come out and i just decided since i was having the surgery anyway just to take everything out because why keep a uterus just for the sake of keeping a uterus if i don't need it anymore you know i had my two babies i'm done having kids um, so they took everything. They took the fallopian tubes. They took the ovaries. They took my uterus and my cervix. So I got nothing left. And I had a double mastectomy two years ago as well. So just to lower my chances. So my chances of getting breast cancer are like less than 5%. And I have a 0% chance of getting ovarian cancer because I don't have ovaries anymore. So that's why I did it was
2: obviously very educated about what she genetically carries, right? And she was, it sounded like to me that she was doing everything in her power not to get cancer. And so the hysterectomy, and she also shared with us um, her, she got a double mastectomy. And so just making, taking those, taking it out, taking it out. So she's not sick. And I think that's, it's a really big personal um, decision and but off, also I see it like she's a mama of little ones and like of course that's what you would do um, at least in my mama brain that's where I went so it was really awesome to hear that from her but very practical
1: I was so medically literate like the need for anyone who has yes. a uterus to become medically literate is something I've learned over the time of hosting flow like it's just necessary yes. 100%. in order to manage it mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to those who don't have a uterus might not Get that literacy as a necessity.
3: Too bad Uh for them.
2: Yeah. Well, maybe they're listening.
1: (gasps) Congratulations. You're about to get a menstrual awareness up level.
2: I think um, when
4: she she showed her diary. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Let's talk about the diary. I found my my diary
4: (laughs) from when I was 10. So I just bookmarked a few funny entries that I wanted to share with you. I'll just read the whole day, I guess, so you can see how juvenile I was. Um, So February 7th, this must have been, let's see, 1990, 1991, I think. Let's see if there's a date. So February 7th, 1993. Dear diary, today I started bat mitzvah lessons after Sunday school. It was awesome and fun and I had absolutely nothing to worry about, nothing at all. I am still totally in love with Kurt. I hope I can meet him soon. Also, I want breasts and my period real soon. Like, I want my period in the next couple of days and breasts by next month, really bad. Okay, then fast forward to May 18th, 1993, dear diary, today was mom's birthday. She is now 36. Today we also had sex ed at school. It was very informative. Now I'm not as worried and more anxious for getting my period and developing breasts, which I think already started. After all, I'm almost 11. I still love Kurt extra, extra much. And then we have December 11th, 1993, Dear diary, I'm getting a boob. I have a bud or I am budding in my left breast. Me and mom are so excited. Today for Hanukkah, I got silk pajamas, a pin and $46.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. Wait, Kurt, who is Kurt? Everyone needs to know who is Kurt.
4: So when I was 10 and 11, I did modeling school at this place called La Femina School of Modeling. It was like a finishing type school. And there were not many boys there, but there was this one boy, Kurt, who I had a crush on from afar and he did not live in my town. He lived a few towns over, but since I I read through the entire diary, so I know that at one point my mom and his mom did get us together and he did come to my birthday party. Um, So I don't know. He was just one of my first real crushes, I guess
1: just adorable <laughs> that the important things to note at 13 was that you were still in love with Kurt and your boobs are starting to oh I was I was 11 was I was
4: 11 11 yes 11 just how she was documenting
2: her desire like my brain went when I was listening to that the diary love that she was documenting it. what she was 10 or 11 and that her desire for boobs and her period but maybe not really like it seemed like like especially in the 80s of like or nine it was like early 90s right so what was it about that like I'm curious what was happening that was making her wanted so badly right like it's hormonal but like girlfriend you have no idea what you're in for right like
1: As we will hear in Peyton's story, there's an element of like, what is this? Like, what is happening?
3: Airplanes make me nervous during that time because, like, I'm sitting for an extended period of time, don't really know what's going on.
1: Like, that's all you can think of. So why want that tornado of an experience? Like, why be craving it? And at the same time, I remember being young and, like, wanting braces because my sister had braces. There's a community yes. element to like people understand the secret handshake of the slap, nice. the idea that once you're in the club of menstruating, you know something else. What you know is that life is very painful sometimes and that yeah. there's a way to ride messy. through it, but it's very messy. Oh, it's messy. messy. I think even that I object to, like yeah. it's not really messy, right? Like moss, moss on the ground isn't messy. Menstruation <laughs> isn't technically messy. I mean, it it's a lot to mm. manage coming out of the body.
2: Well, like Gabby was saying, right? Like Gabrielle was talking, like waking up on a like a lots of like lots of blood, waking up in a pool of blood, and having to deal with that in the middle of the night. So I think that's where my messy goes to, where that those extreme bleeders, right? Those extreme menstruators, do have some mess to clean up.
0: When it was extreme, I was going through super tampons, like every like two or three hours. And then I would, yeah, I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like in a pile of blood. <laughs> so <laughs> that's always a really fun thing to deal with at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> My friends and I are, are pretty open about all of our things. So they know, like my mom always knows, she's like, oh, if you're always really tired when you have your period, so we need to like cancel and not, you know, go to brunch or whatever. <laughs> um, so she gets it, my husband gets it, but yeah, I talk about it pretty openly and I just know about myself that like when I'm feeling those ways, like I just listen to my body and I have worked very hard. Over the past couple of years to not shame myself and to just be like, I'm tired because I'm about to get my period and I need to sit on the couch and watch Real Housewives of New Jersey with some fries and I don't want to be bothered. And that is what I need. <laughs> I'm a salty girl. I didn't feel shame, but I did feel embarrassed about it. And I felt uncomfortable because like, you know, it was always like who uses pads and who uses tampons? Like, wow, like the adult girls wear tampons. At least that's how it was like my middle school and high school. And nobody really did talk about it. And there were like, I remember one time I like bled through my jeans in the middle of the day and I was just so embarrassed and like wanted to die and just sat in the nurse's office. So I would tell myself like don't be embarrassed for a normal bodily thing that happens to every single
4: woman
2: depending on what what's going on and how things are going uh every month for them or every you know whenever they're getting their their period
1: yeah maybe twice a month maybe several days out of the month more than what more than seven days yeah. out of the month as we heard with peyton right. at the height of more extreme periods peyton was wearing a ultra tampon that was needing to change every hour plus a pad on top of two sets of period panties mm. and just enduring it and just enduring it yeah
3: so as far as like uh preventing accidents i always have two pairs of period underwear that i have so those are used for the nighttime on those two really bad days in combination with a pad in combination with an ultra tampon just to be like nothing's happening even if it comes out of the pad it has another place to go I usually try to try my best to not let it hinder me too much I always kind of pull the card if I'm out if we're doing something like oh I can't go do that or I have to be here for the bathroom but like you need to stay with me because like I don't know I'm going through this thing that I can't control period underwear is very cool I'd say that's probably like the biggest trick that I have and then I don't know I've never ventured into the menstrual cup but I think those are really cool I don't really have any like tricks because it's just like it's just bad (laughs) and I like suffer and make it through this is a thing so like when I knew that my periods were like this I would be like ultra tampons only like we only buy ultra tampons and then actually because the flow would lessen it would like dry out my vagina and then sex wasn't very uncomfortable so the multi the multi-pack of the varying sizes is big plus because then I have the ultras for when I need them and then I can taper down so that I'm not like, scraping my insides with, like, dry cotton all the time. That was a big innovation on my part to go forward with that. I have a roommate who knows about it, so she's very aware of, like, yes, I need the ultra tampon. I don't, I can't use the super. I need the one that I asked for. Um, And I think my boyfriend is also rather, like, Understanding, he actually will like when the shortage was happening, he called me from Target and said, They have the ones that you need. Do you want me to grab you some? Um, so he's like very on, he's he's a good, good guy. (laughs) So I have that support in those ways, yeah. Very good one. Um, but at the same time, like they don't see the toilet when I see the toilet and see like what's happening in a public restroom when I'm going through that and like trying to go out to a bar and like look cute and like I smell bad and I have like a diaper but and like all these things that I think that if someone saw like literally the volume of what's coming out they would actually be really scared and there were times I was like very shocked at all that was there but nobody really sees that they just like probably think about it but i think seeing it is a different thing
1: we did come up with this great idea you know all we've interviewed delune and hello period Mm -hmm. of course hello makes the products but we're talking we were talking about the value of having some kind of mattress pad topper made of period (gasps) panty that you can roll up and clean like what should we make that for flow do we need a flow product and like create that it's so needed. obsessed right and you know what can be
2: used for your menstruation and it can also use for sex. sex. Yes. <laughs> right. I love mm-hmm. it. Like, so often do clients talk about, like, well, oh, I can be really aroused in wanting to have a sexual experience with my partner, but I don't want to clean up the mess. And so I'm like, go buy some black towels.
1: But what if you could it's buy a mess. flow mattress pad?
2: Yes. We are officially looking for us? investors. We are officially <laughs> ready to
1: accept investors. We'll the deck.
2: I love it. Yeah, it's but gotta be poor, happening. I mean, not poor Peyton, but that is extreme, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's call that what it is to be able to have to use all of those products. That's extreme.
1: And she also mentioned, of course, there are treatment options outside of the copper IUD, which is what she has. And we know how we feel about the copper IUD. Mm-hmm. For those mm-hmm. who don't know that, yes. what she consciously chose that because she does not want to interfere with her hormonal levels because mental health and hormones are connected. Yep. And for mm-hmm. her experience of menstruation, having hormonal intervention is not conducive to her well-being. Sure. So right. the choice is to endure extreme blood, extreme pain for an extreme
3: amount of days. So I actually use the copper IUD, um, so that makes everything pretty extreme. But also before that, um, everything was extreme in general. I've always felt on the end of the spectrum for people that I've talked to about menstruation, like everyone's like, oh, Peyton, (laughs) like you get props for the craziest. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where I've always been. It's time. And, like, I only use ultra sizes during the primary period, like, primary period of time <laughs> in the period. Um, but I think to share, like, a funny story about, like, that experience, like, using that type of tampon, too. Like, when there was a tampon shortage, like, I would go to Target, like, regularly and stop inside of the aisle. And, like, the two rows were completely gone And, like, the kind that I needed to, like, live how I needed to for those two days, like, it was gone. So I would have to, like, change it, like, every, like, 30 minutes if I didn't have the one that I needed. But I actually asked my roommate to go for me to see if they were there. And I said, like, verbatim was, like, I need the ultra size. And she came back and she brought back, like, super which is like two sizes down from Ultra. And I was like, oh, were they out of Ultra? And she said, no, like I literally thought you made that up. Like, I don't even know that that was a size. So I got you this one. And so that was interesting. Like that's never been a part of her experience to use that size and that she thought like I was making it up <laughs> that there were two sizes further. So um, that's just been my experience is very extreme very heavy so it's like about two days that that yeah so like about every hour so typically like and i also wear a pad with the ultra because like i don't know when something's going to go bad so like especially if i'm going out like i know that i have to change it like on the hour so like a hike not really realistic airplanes make me nervous during that time because like i'm sitting for an extended period of time don't really know what's going on um, so I just really try to, like, keep myself in a bathroom-centric area during those two days. I think it made it, like, initially when I got the copper IUD, that length of time where I needed the Ultra was much longer, and now it's about down to two days, but I've always pretty much used the Ultra, like, even as a teenager, before um, I got the copper IUD. Thirteen, I think. Um, or 12 or 13. And I think it's always really strange. I mean, I'd love to hear other people's experiences too, but like when I first got it, like there's this really weird, like parental reaction that's like, oh my God, like she can, like, she's, a, she can be a mom now. Like that's so crazy. Like you're an adult now. Like you're a woman now. Um, And I was just like what the fuck is coming out of me like I'm very uncomfortable and like then there's all this like social stuff around it and I was like I'm just uncomfortable I'm not even thinking about like procreating I don't know why anyone's thinking about that for a 13 year old it's really weird yeah that always made me uncomfortable how that was like part of the message when it started I was at home and like I went to the bathroom and like I wiped and then there was like some blood and I went in there and I was like you know like I think that this is what's happening. Like I was shaking, you know, cuz you th- you hear about it, you're like prepared, your friends are getting it, like all that stuff. Um and she was like, "Oh my god." And she like laid out a towel for me on the bed next to her and she like they like slept together. I don't know, it was very strange. Um she like wanted to keep me close, but I just wanted to like go be by myself cuz it was a lot to absorb. I don't know if other people experience that, but I just think it's like and then I feel like parents like mothers typically are like oh this is so exciting and they like tell their friends and it's just really uncomfortable. That would have been about like 2013, 2012. And like the like immediate objectification of this person that like now can perform like sexual things not that like my i don't want to say like my mom was like doing that but i think that that's like where it's coming from is like oh now like she can go find a man like she can get married she can have kids like this is so cool like she's grown out of like this innocentness and now can experience like this side of things and i just was like I don't know. I don't even think I want to get married. I don't even know if I like men. Like, I don't know. Like, you just already have this, like, thing going on in your head. I'm like, I take, I gotta go to, like, 7th grade right now. I don't know like, what you're talking about. How did I negate kind of the uh, the definition of what it meant to others in my own experience? Is that is that kind of the question? I know that I don't want to create a kid. I would like to adopt Um, so that in and of itself like makes the period very useless like even me like having a uterus feels kind of useless to me because I like I'm very confident in this decision um, to not want to grow a baby inside of me. Um, So having it be like a process of procreation is just like really annoying. Because, like, I don't even want to, like, go through this process. That's not, like, I'm never going to use it. So can it just stop happening? I I knew that the Mirena was an option, um, and it's a hormonal option versus the Carbidea, which is a non-hormonal option. I have struggled with, like, dissociative anxiety for a lot of my life and a lot of mental health stuff. So I finally got, like, my meds cool my brain's cool I feel very present in my life and like the morena was a wild card for me um in terms of like it could do nothing it could do a lot of things and then like six months in I'm really distressed and I don't know if I can identify that it's the morena or if it's like other things in my life so I just decided to go with the black and white option which was pain and duration and flow which I can deal with very clearly there's no ambiguity there we just get it done it's over so that that was my decision with that from my understanding the copper iud like it builds up the uterine wall and that's another like reproductive um like uh prevention method because if it's too thick then the egg can't survive in there and then also the copper a spermicide so that's like how i understand it so like. I have intercourse with people with penises, so it's a birth control method, and I knew that I wanted one that I didn't have to think about. Um, Nexplanon makes me nervous. I don't know. I don't like things being, like, touchable in my arm. That freaks me out. Um, And I wanted non-hormonal, and this was, like, the op- this was the option.
2: That makes me think about where's the research in this, right? Like- if this was a male body experience, there wouldn't mm. be, this would not be happening. I don't think, I really don't think it would be where a man would have to wear a large tampon, right? You know, the ultra is a very big tampon plus all of those other products and endure the pain. What, what and be, because of the mental health issues with hormones, right? We're just saying it's one of the other. Like here, you have to have this awful period or screw with your mental health, which I totally get. I totally understand that decision, but where's the research, right? Are they? It's 2023.
1: I'm doing this weird thing in my head where I'm trying to imagine, like, let's just say, I'm. it's going to be vulgar, but like a man, he does, his hole would be is like an anal hole. So let's say he had a tampon sure, his anal hole and was yep. wearing a yep. pad and diaper that was yeah. to support that. Let's say he was yeah. beaming out of that hole and that was what yes. he was doing. He's mm-hmm. curled up in a yes. little ball. And in the society uh-huh. where that's the norm, do all of the mm-hmm. women, female uh, or body people, menstruators who already know what that experience is like. Mm-hmm. How do they deal with receiving? What if that was a sudden thing that happened to all men? How would we receive? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and be dream. like, yes. How,
1: <laughs> how will we help and help you cope? Or would we say, you know what? You don't even know how to deal with your own thing happening, so we're just going to put you in a room. When, you, when you're when you done, come on out and we'll talk to you, but you need to go deal with that. Would we, as menstruators, do that? Oof.
2: I don't know. I think it depends on the person in front of me.
1: Sure. Sure or depends that on that the panel of thing people. That might be a awful thing to
2: say. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean I like you want some... some of them to
1: endure. <laughs> yeah, we got I can some think office.
2: of somebody who runs Florida right now who should be enduring some things. Yep. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm.
3: And It's mothers.
2: Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Mhm.
1: Some people in Tennessee. Some yes, people in Texas. Some yes. people in Tennessee. Some physics. I would think that would be good physics then, yeah. if they were enduring. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. The uh-huh. law of nature should yeah. have those physics. hundred. But yeah, and like some weird gender reverse sci-fi worlds, or you know, yes. at the end of. Oh my gosh, Catching Fire. What's it called? Tribute. Hunger Games. There's Hunger the whole games. when. When the mm-hmm. those who were not in power become in power, they start to perpetrate yes. the same issues on those same, who had yeah. them suppressed and oppressed. And yes. I don't know, that cyclical game of like wishing men did have an experience of extreme pain when they don't understand. What is that? That's just wishing the I could rather them listen to this show and get educated and then contribute to 100%. a world that could be more supportive. Of course that's the ideal. But yes, I think yes, the rage course, is valid. It's valid.
2: Yeah, I think it's rage. I mean, it's the the patriarchy. Let's get, I mean, it boils down to if you aren't having that experience as a man, then it doesn't matter to you. Then you're not looking into it unless you are in a relationship or have a sister or have you know, whatever relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic where you're seeing the impact because like we talked about in our previous episode, get back up on that horse, girl, right? Like, no, no. That's mm-hmm. what they've been fed too, right? Like, all, they're being imprinted with that as well. Mm. So, yeah, the rage is real.
1: I, the rage is real. I try to practice, and I'm very lucky here at this workstation area of Believe Limited, but I try to practice mm-hmm. sometimes in meetings when people are like, how are you? Being like, oh, I'm heavily menstruating today. That's all. Yes. That's how I am. Some people will be like, oh, I have yes. a really bad headache. The yeah. normalization of discussing blood in a work setting is something I'm trying to... Well, before
2: especially, I believe. Oh, I mean,
1: yeah, it's yeah. good. <laughs> we should,
2: yeah, of course, right? But no, I think that's a great thing. That's a great tip. I talk about this with clients. Instead of saying "I'm fine," "fine" is not a feeling word, friends. Mm. It is not a feeling word, right? So mm. if you're in pain because you're you're menstruating, say "I," you know what? I got some pain today because I'm menstruating, or it's a rough day. I feel like shit. Because blood is coming out of my
1: body. Pieces of of my body are being pushed out of my body, by my my body. body. That's a comedian I heard once. Yeah, it's like just, (laughs) that's amazing that our body can do that. Amazing. I love it so much. Well, I mean, we went weird, but we went informative. And I do want we to do. <laughs> share in our final moments the contributor information. Thank you, Ella, for sending in this information. Yes. We'll include it in the show notes. It's a really wonderful resource about keeping your abortion private. Well, we have yes. on our series before talked about abortion as healthcare, and we support the share of abortion stories in today's world. And for every individual, choosing it can be essential to keep your abortion private the link in the show notes will give you a way to ensure that any tracking of your health records stays private for you Mm -hmm. and there's also one thing i want to share and this is an abortion story that's that's not private open to being shared it's really so beautiful i heard about this it's a like a commune style living in northern california and two people who were not in a relationship did have a sexual experience that meant the menstruator was pregnant. In response to this, they each came together and decided they would independently discuss with their those that they trust, with their families, with their sisters, brothers, elders, who they felt they wanted to discuss how they felt about this pregnancy. They came back together and they decided to have a beautiful community ceremony where they tied a ribbon on a tree. They went into the woods, tied a ribbon on a tree before the abortion to ask any life force that was coming in to Mm. consider not now, not dealing with the idea that conception of life starts at any particular time, but suggesting that if this was a potentiality for life, that instead the request was not now. Community Mm. stood together and drank tea and... The menstruator had her abortion, and they carried on with their beautiful lives. And it can be oh, that yes. clearly honored, simple, and beautiful. Yes. I want to share.
2: I love, I love honoring the choice, mm. right? Honoring, honoring the choice, honoring those cells, honoring each other, and the earth. Like, oh gosh. That's gorgeous. And I wish that could happen for everyone. Like how beautiful and lucky are those people? Amazing.
1: Amazing. And sharing it as a permission slip for those who are looking for a ritual in their experiences. Mm. There's lots possible. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Absolutely. That's it for now. But we'll be back to talk more period pain with other story contributors here to normalize the conversation around menstruation if you've been listening, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Set up, a calendly, set up a Calendly session to tell us your stories or leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And we'll be flowing with you next month. Flow is produced by Bloodstream Media and edited by Kay Vermeule. Shout out to Flow's creative director, Amy Board, and hosts Jessica Richmond and Sarah Watson. New episodes are available the second Thursday of each month.
3: Hey! That's the day after I start menstruating.